has to get rid of it. Over to Abel Porter. Abel takes the long three. Yes! Abel Porter hits the three! Hey, what's up, guys? And welcome back to the All Ohio Podcast for Episode 6. I'm Alex. And I'm Mason. Today we're going to talk about Hollywood Higgins re-signing with the Browns. Uh, we also have some Indians news. And then we have one of our favorite segments, Clown of the Week. And then we're also going to talk about NASCAR coming back. And then we're going to also do a new segment starting this week. It's our social media segment where we're going to talk about questions we've had submitted to us through Instagram or Twitter. And then we're going to wrap up today's episode with a special guest, Abel Porter. Uh, he came on the other day and we did a little Q&A with him. So, yeah. So the Browns were able to finally re-sign Richard Higgins. They got him on a one-year contract worth 910k, which, to my knowledge, is the league minimum. And I was really happy with this deal. I was happy they finally got it done. I think Richard's a good wide receiver three, and I don't think he got much of a chance last year. He was injured, and he just never really got in that groove. So I'm really happy Andrew Barry and Stefanski are giving him this one-year kind of prove-it deal. And it's not a lot of money. So, you know, there's bringing him in for a cheap contract and saying, hey, man, if you can play well, we'll sign you long term. Yeah, I was really happy to see Higgins back. He's kind of a fan favorite um, in Cleveland. And he really wanted to come back. It was just, you know, a matter of uh, the front office wanting to bring him back. And especially that first year Baker was here, I felt like Higgins was really kind of his security blanket and kind of the guy that he meshed the best with. Um, Hollywood Higgins coming back is great, though. I think uh, with Odell, Jarvis, Higgins, and if Peoples-Jones work out, that's pretty stacked at wide receiver. And uh, he's switching back to number 82 because Austin Hooper is going to be 81. So I'm looking forward to seeing Higgins back next year. And I think Higgins meshed with Baker so well that rookie year was because both of them were running with that second team in training. Yeah, during the, yeah and during the preseason too. So, And, you know, like you said, Higgins didn't get – he didn't. Freddie didn't really use him. I think they there's a little bit of tension there, but um, yeah, I'm glad they brought him back for this one-year deal and say, all right, let's see what you can do with us, and uh, they'll go from there. So I hope it works out well. Yeah, me too. So next up, the Indians are not doing so great right now. Uh, it was reported this week that Francisco Lindor is not listening to offers from them anymore, and uh, you know they want to bring him back and he wants to be back, but they're just um, not willing to foot the bill for him so I don't know I'd love to see Lindor back it's so unlikely at this point um, but what do you think about that I really 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 think we should be getting Lindor back but as a famous Cleveland issue we have big problems re-signing anyone that's good um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean LeBron's about the only one and he left and came back so and left again and left again. I mean, <laughs> Cleveland, we have never been able to re- keep anyone, re-sign anyone that is a superstar. Uh, and the Dolans are so cheap, they won't invest in someone that we have brought up through our farm system that has turned into mm-hmm. an, a, one of the top shortstops in the league. i say he's one of the top players in the league in general. And yeah, I mean, he's definitely one. I think he's in the top 10 players in the league. Mm-hmm. Maybe even less. Baseball, my my baseball knowledge right now isn't the best because it hasn't been going on. But yeah, uh, I just 
I, I knew they were going to have a problem re-signing them. They don't value paying anyone a lot of money. They'd rather just get a bunch of random guys and get beat in the wild card or in the first round of the playoffs every year. That's all in them. I mean, the only way that the Indians are ever good is if they get lucky and get a bunch of good prospects because, I mean, they don't keep anybody. They don't sign any big-time free agents, really. Um, I mean, they signed Santana, but that was kind of a comeback. And, I mean, sometimes when they're good, they'll trade for guys like Andrew Miller and stuff like that. But, you know, we just we never get anybody good. So, I don't know. I'm hoping they can get a deal done because it's just, I mean, everyone loves them. And it's, I mean, you talk to people and they will go to the game to see Lindor. Yeah, I have his jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> no one goes to the Indians games to watch Brandon Geyer. But I don't know. Brandon Geyer was kind of a stud. Oh, my. Bonnie Chisenhall, too. Man, that outfield was loaded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing the Dolans had done lately that was good was getting Oscar Mercado. Yeah, that I think was he, good. I think he's going to be a franchise center fielder. Yeah, he would go well with uh, Lindor and Ramirez and all of them if they could all stay together, but you know, we'll see how that goes. So the Indians did get rid of Kluber. We knew that. That's been a couple months ago now, but uh, one of the main pieces they got back was Emmanuel Clase, and now... He's been suspended 80 games for the use of PEDs, so the dominoes just keep falling in a bad way for us. Yeah, and even when we're not playing, stuff can go wrong. Uh, just a big mess up on Clay's part. I mean, the Indians, even when we're not playing, they're still finding ways to hurt themselves. And big, big no-no for Clay's. I mean... From what I read, it was his first time getting in trouble, but they still gave him that 80-game suspension, which hurts us a lot. I mean, that was the main guy in the Kluber trade, and now we're not going to get to see him for 80 games. That's even if they play 80 games. Yeah, that is true. We don't know what's really going to happen there, but... That could just roll into next year, too. Yeah, we'll... uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, We'll talk about that, what we think about that coming up a little bit later, but I think this would be a good time for our Clown of the Week. So our Clown of the Week this week is actually the guy that we just talked about, uh, Emmanuel Clace. I mean, come on, dude. PEDs getting suspended. I mean, it's hurting the whole team. And I think the Dolans are an honorable mention here for Clown of the Week uh, because of what we were just talking about, not resigning Lindor and not helping us in any way just keep trading people away for prospects and uh, you know trading away our longtime ace for a guy who is now suspended for peds so yeah and kluber was a two-time cy young winner so i mean i know he was on the downfall but the dolan should have traded him about two years ago and his value was still there yeah i mean at this point they should have just kept him (laughs) yeah i mean we waited and then we got some prospects and a guy that's literally suspended. So we're going to see none of those guys for at least 80 games. <laughs> and it's it's hard to judge. I mean, it's I hate to talk bad about the Indians front office, but because, I mean, they've been competitive for the last couple of years, but, man, they just they do not help themselves at all. I feel like they missed. I mean, I think they should have won in 2016, but they had a window for a couple of years after that, and I feel like they just didn't do enough to get over that hump. Yeah, and it, that's just hard. Baseball, I mean, it, it's just so hard because you could trade for someone that's batting 310 
at the All-Star break, you trade for them. They come to Cleveland, and they're, they bat 150 the rest of the year. It's just yep, really hard to be consistent. That seems to happen to us. I feel like we always trade for these guys, and I feel like they just never come in and just keep it up. Like Jay Bruce, I mean, he had a couple of good playoff moments, but Jay Bruce was having a good year, and we traded for him that year a couple years ago, and he just wasn't that good after we got him. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Miller came in and played. Oh, yeah. Andrew Miller was dominant for the couple years he was here, yeah. So, yeah. Emmanuel Clace, Dolans, you're the clown of the week. Enough from the clown! So, moving on, we are starting to see the return of sports a little bit here. Um, I know there was a UFC event last night. I'm not much into the UFC. I know Mason probably watched it, so we can talk about that. Um, But also, NASCAR is going to be coming back next week. Um, They're going to be running kind of a different schedule than normal. I think they're going to try to do two races a week until they catch up. Obviously, there's not going to be any fans there. But NASCAR is getting things started back up and trying to start to get things back to normal. And hopefully, this starts leading to other things coming back soon, too. Yeah, uh, I did watch the UFC pay-per-view last night, 249, and uh, it was it was really cool to finally have some sports back to normal. I mean, it wasn't normal. There was no fans, and it was weird because everyone was wearing masks, but it was really cool to see all the fighters come back. Only one of them tested positive, so they just got rid of that fight. It wasn't even a big <laughs> deal. Uh but they still kept the show going, and it was an awesome pay-per-view. Uh, finally got to see something besides Korean baseball, which yeah, <laughs> watch it yet. don't bother because you're, A, not going to know who's playing, and, B, I don't, you're, not, you're just not going to know what's going on. <laughs> It'll just be nice to see some live competition. You know, I'm, the NASCAR is not a sport. I don't want to get into that debate. That's a whole another topic, but it'll just be nice to have something on TV that's live that you can watch. And I'm looking forward to that next weekend. I mean, Wednesday, they're doing more fights already for UFC. Yeah, well, maybe I have to start getting into that so I have something to watch. I mean, they got already cards stacked up for pay-per-views and uh, fight nights is what they call the Wednesday night ones, so... Yeah, it's just anything right now. I mean, chomping at the bit to get literally anything. So I'm going to be glued to the UFC even though I know a lot about it, but I don't know everyone, and I'm not going to know 80% of the fighters on Wednesday, but I'm going to be watching it. Yeah, and I think that may – I think that's might be how NASCAR will be too. I mean, I think a lot of people that don't normally watch it will be watching it just because it's on. I think the same for UFC too, so – I guess maybe that's some good exposure for those guys. Yeah, I mean, when sports do come back, I mean, people are going to be freaking watching them. And Mm -hmm. just, I mean, even if it's a team they despise, they're going to be watching them. I mean, the appreciation for sports, I think, has flew through the roof lately. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I mean, I like the Indians and I like baseball, but man, I don't sit there and watch it every night. Um, But man, if it was on right now, I I probably would be. Yeah, it's sit through a whole nine inning. I'd probably, I'd probably be there with you. I, I definitely don't do that all the time. I did it more as a kid. I used to sit and watch yeah, everything. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, it's just other things are going on. And but if it was on right now, I'd definitely watch all nine innings because it's been rough. 
Yeah, it has been. And I'm ready for it all to come back. Yeah, me too. So moving on, we have a new segment for the All Ohio Podcast, which we're hoping will be weekly. This isn't really something we can control, but <laughs> we're going to really try our best to keep it going weekly. So the name of the segment, we're just going to call it the social media segment, nothing fancy. Uh, this is where we're just going to answer your guys' questions that you submit on our Instagram or Twitter. And yeah, we're just going to get into them. We're going to shout you guys out. So if you do want a shout out and you see us posting a questionnaire on Instagram, give us any questions. Anything will work mm-hmm. right out on here and we'll answer your questions. It doesn't even have to be about sports. We'll probably answer it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So our first question was from FiestaFields.plug. And he asked us, will Ohio State win it all next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say with college football you know I mean you never really know until you get into it there's always a surprise team but man Ohio State they have all the weapons I mean Justin Fields has another year under his belt they got that running back transfer from Oklahoma Trey Sermon I mean they still have Chris Olave Garrett Wilson and I know there's a bunch of wide receiver recruits down there um, that are good so I think that offense should be good and I think the defense will be pretty solid too so I mean they'll definitely be a contender this year without a doubt Um, but we'll see I mean if there's a team, I mean, LSU was just so dominant last year. I mean, you knew you knew that nobody was really going to beat them. So, uh, But, I mean, I think Ohio State is definitely in the top three teams this year, without a doubt. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, you got Alave coming back, Wilson, Julian Fleming, G. Scott, Jamison Williams. I mean, that's only mm-hmm. five receivers. I mean, there's more. Uh we got Rucker at tight end. He's an absolute stud. Our line, offensive line, is stacked with guards that are good tackles. I mean, the offense isn't skipping a beat. And, I mean, that's nope. losing Dobbins, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack. And, and, and Trey Sermon will replace Dobbins well. And Master Teague is still back there, too. And he, Well, with Teague, he did get hurt the first day of spring practices. Oh, so, I didn't even see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL. So I don't know if Teague will be ready by the season, but we don't know at this point when the season's even going to start. Uh, but, I mean, on defense, Zach Harrison, he's going to be a sophomore. He's sliding in for Chase Young. He got a lot of playing time last year, and I think he's going to fit in really well. Sean Wade came back. I, I think I think the Buckeyes are going to be legit next year. I think they may even be better than last year. And, some wise, how are you better than last year when you didn't lose until playoff? Well, you'd be better by going to the championship and winning it. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Fields. Plug, I, I think we could win it all next year. I sure hope so. Yeah, it'd be nice. I'd, it'd be awesome to beat Clemson in the championship. Yeah, finally beat them. Yeah. We always we always talk about them on this show. We have to, I think we've talked about them in every single episode. Some way, Clemson gets in. That is just because anytime Ohio State comes up, they're like – our big brother just looking over us. <laughs> Patting us on the head. Because, like, we just, for some reason, we cannot beat them. And, I mean, they're it's good. Rough. Dabo Sweeney, he's probably the best coach in college football. Better than Nick Saban. I would say yes. I think Saban's starting to lose his touch. Mm, wow. Bold uh, bold statement. A little hot take, but with Tua's younger brother transferring, and I don't know. I just, I don't know why, 
I feel it, but I don't know. I feel like Alabama is just – I mean, they're, they're so – I mean, Alabama is still a great program. But yeah, they did they did lose a bit of a step last year. I mean, they didn't make the playoff, and they slipped in the rankings down to the back end of the top ten. So, I mean, yeah. LSU beat them. Bama doesn't ever finish outside the top five. So, you know, I mean, Tua was hurt. I mean, and don't get me wrong, Nick Saban's still second best coach in college football. But I think Alabama's. I mean, they're starting to rely on these like big name guys and. As you saw last year, when they get hurt, there's no one behind them. I mean, when Ohio State had injury issues, we still won the championship. Yeah, with third string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and I that that's on them for not recruiting good backups or not having them prepared. I guess would be better than not saying yeah. they're not good. And then Tua's younger brother transferred, so I guess we'll see how it plays out for Bama. Yeah. So, moving on, our next question. Well, it wasn't really a question. It was a statement on one of our posts. We asked, what was your favorite sports moments of the decade? And D. Peoples-Jones, with two S's, says, his favorite moment of the decade were the OSU Nat National Championship and the Cavs' comeback to win it all. And, yeah, those were great moments. I think the Cavs' comeback to win it all was probably the most special to me just because of how bad Cleveland's been. Ohio State's consistently good. National championship was cool, but it was nice to see Cleveland finally win one. And LeBron. Yeah, the Cavs winning a championship for Cleveland was really cool. Um, obviously, you know, Ohio State winning the national championship was great. You know, I definitely agree those were two. Those are probably the top two moments of the decade. Um, another one that I just want to add in for me, because, you know, I'm really big into hockey, and, uh, last year, the Blue Jackets were the eight seed and swept the one seed, Tampa Bay Lightning, who pretty much just had the best regular season ever in hockey. And Blue Jackets swept them. I mean, they they lost in the next round to Boston, which sucked. But I mean, they swept them. That was their first ever playoff uh, series win. So I mean, that was another cool moment that I can remember from the decade. Yeah, and what a moment to finally win your first playoff series, and it's sweeping the one seed when no one said you had a chance. Yeah, that was great. And uh, what would the best Browns sports moment of the decade be? I guess maybe Baker's debut. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I, I mean, mean we they played. had a couple good years there early in the 2010s, but I mean, they never made the playoffs or anything like that. For the Browns, I I would have to agree. I think it's Baker's debut. I mean, nothing's really went on. I don't know. In 2010 with us. I mean, Hard Knocks was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, Devin Kajust. Devin Kajust. Crystals. Uh, uh, Brogan Roback. I mean, it's oh, sad. Yeah. Our, one of our top Browns moments of the decade was a show about a team that didn't do so well and the were fired. All the coaches besides Greg Williams were fired. <laughs> and then he was eventually fired. Which may have been the wrong decision, but, I mean, I don't. that, that show was good, though. I did yeah. enjoy it. I wish it would come back this I People always say, oh, I don't want hard knocks around my team. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. I'm just entertained. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it does anything bad for your team. No. I think more publicity. Yeah, that would be cool. if they. Well, we have building the Browns. I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's there's still pretty cool stuff on there. 
Yeah, I enjoyed that. But, yeah, I think Baker's debut, I guess, would have to be the best moment of the decade for the Browns, which that that's – I mean, it's not sad, but – It's sad that your best moment of a decade is even just, like, a single regular season game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's just pray that this decade's better for them. Yeah, we can only hope. So then our last question was from our well-known guest, Garrett. Condot, yeah. our boy, he asked if we think the NBA is going to come back. And I think it will come back. It better come back because my boy LeBron's going to win another ring if it does. I'm banging on that. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that the NBA is going to come back. Uh, one thing I was, I read this on Twitter the other day that somebody was talking about, so I can't take credit for this idea, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I thought it was cool. So they were talking about uh, bringing the NBA back and doing like an NCAA-style one-game tournament with like the top 16 teams. I so like And like seeding them 8-1. Like seeding them to one. I mean, I think this, so the seeding would be the same as far as like East and West goes, but it would just be like one-game knockouts. And I mean, I you, like could, you could burn through the play. I mean, you could get through the entire playoffs and what like maybe just a couple weeks so i think that's i think that's a possibility and i mean with that say they play it in vegas where they do the summer league Mm -hmm. they don't have much time off in between games Mm -hmm. because they're not traveling nope and i mean mean, they could do okay so if you have if you do 16 teams how many games was that eight games for the first round so i mean then And you could do multiple games a day. I mean, they do that in the NCAA. So, I mean, you could do, you know, an afternoon game and then a night game. And, I mean, you could literally probably burn through the playoffs in about two weeks. So, I think that is definitely something. I mean, the regular season will not be played anymore. That's pretty much set in stone at this point. They just don't have time. Um, But if they came back for the playoffs, I think that would be a really good way to go about it. And it would just be interesting, too. That idea, wow. I really... Because with us missing March Madness, that's like a mini March Madness. <laughs> NBA March Madness. You need March June Madness. Madness. Yeah. You need March Madness every year. Because yeah. March Madness is probably one of the, probably the coolest playoff format for any sport, I think. It's so fun to watch. I love yeah. it. And, uh, I mean, you know, everybody else is trying to come back. I haven't seen... I haven't really read much about MLB's plan. Uh, I know the NHL is trying to come back with a few select arenas, and I've actually seen that Columbus may be considered, Nationwide Arena in Columbus may be considered for the Metro Division uh, to play some of their games at. So, I don't know. Everybody's kind of planning out, but we don't really know what's going to happen. And the thing with the NHL and NBA, correct me if I'm wrong, the NBA was towards the end of their season, and the NHL was towards the end of theirs, right? Yeah, the, the, ML, or the NBA and the... NHL, they, their seasons almost run parallel. I mean, they're both 82 games. They're both best of seven playoffs. I mean, there's. I think they start just a couple weeks apart and they finish a couple weeks apart. But as far, as far as their schedule goes, I mean, it's almost the same. Yeah. So I mean, I, with the idea of the teams coming to Columbus, would that be all the teams in the Metro coming here to play? Um, I'm not. I don't really know that to be honest. I I just read that. Um, you know, if they come back and decide to finish up some of the games that the Columbus could be used for the Metro um, or maybe just even the East Coast if they decide to make, uh, if they decide to do the playoffs, they could use, I mean, Columbus is a nice, it really is kind of a center point because then 
you could grab some of those teams that are a little bit more west of us in. So that would be cool. And in March Madness style hockey tournament would be pretty entertaining also. Let's be honest. If you put March Madness style into any sport, people are down because it's so fun. <laughs> it would be pretty sweet. Let's do a March Madness NFL playoff. Mm. Everyone makes it. Then you get, <laughs> you get some upsets, and that would be awesome. I'm telling you. Uh, can you imagine how many? Oh, that would be awesome. A 32-team NFL playoff. That would be ridiculous. Didn't the Dolphins beat the Patriots like the last game of the year? Yeah, this year? year, yeah. 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 I mean, could you imagine... <laughs> One versus thirty-two, and the Dolphins like beat them, and the, like if it was a March, that would be so hilarious and awesome. It'd just be so fun that, to watch too. That would be amazing. That's why you watch you watch March Madness for the upsets. I'm telling so, you right I mean, now, at Roger Goodell, you better listen to this because we have a blockbuster idea. Yeah. Get us on Instagram if you want to talk about it because you can get on the show. Get, yeah, that would get every oh. I'm just having dreams now. That would be so cool. <laughs> that would be something crazy. And, and we could say the Browns made the playoffs. Hey, that counts. That counts. I don't care if everybody makes it. If the Browns make it, that counts. Yep. All right. So now it's time for pretty much the headline of this episode. Uh, we have a very special guest. We're going to bring in one of Ohio State's newest basketball players, Abel Porter. So now joining us is one of the newest players for Ohio State basketball, graduate transfer from Utah State, Abel Porter. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited. So we just have a couple questions for you today. First off, we'd like to welcome you to Ohio and to the Ohio State University. Mason and I are both students there at the regional campus. So first question for you here is what made you choose Ohio State to finish out your college career? Uh, yeah, um, it's kind of a interesting choice being from Utah and everything, but um, when Ohio State gave me a call, uh, Coach Peden actually called me, and it was kind of a little further into the recruiting process, and he kind of just had a really good pitch about the winning culture that Ohio State has and the history behind it, um, not to mention the great education that they can provide, and yeah, just the feel and the uh, kind of the feeling that I had while I was talking to him, it felt right. Well, that's great. We're really looking forward to seeing you on the court. Um, hopefully we can get there this fall. So that kind of leads us into our next question. What have you guys kind of been doing during the coronavirus as far as the team? Uh, you know, we're dealing with that right now. So what have you guys kind of been doing to stay in touch? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And I know um, for them as a team, they're allowed to do zoom calls and everything and and with coronavirus it's been weird because i mean usually you'd wouldn't really communicate with anyone throughout may uh, maybe text back and forth and then the whole team could get together in june um, but seeing as how that's probably not going to happen um i'm not allowed to do anything with the full team until i'm enrolled as a student at ohio state i think that that's how the ncaa works and so for me it's kind of just keeping in touch with the coaches um, kind of getting in, connected with the players separately uh, from a team uh, environment since that's not really allowed and, and getting to know the guys through some texts, social media, 
um, yeah, just trying to build the best relationship I can from a distance uh, so that when I get out there to Ohio and we can finally all get together, uh, we can kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, the NCAA, they're really strict on that. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know all the rules. I just <laughs> I just do what I'm told so I don't break anything that, without knowing or anything like that. Yeah, that's always a safe way to go about it. Yeah, exactly. All, the rules get so complicated once you get deep into it that it's just not even worth learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, has Coach Holtman talked to you about what your role is going to look like? Um, yeah, throughout the recruiting process, we we talked about uh, what they're going to expect from me and, and what I could do to help the team. And honestly, it's just kind of be myself, what I've been for the past four years. And, and that's be a tough guy that can come in and, and make some shots and uh, be a calming presence on the court, um, provide some leadership on the team. And whether that's starting coming off the bench, to me, it doesn't matter uh, as long as I feel like I have a spot that kind of fits the culture and, and can help guys around me. That's all really that really matters to me. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Um, I asked you about what the team's been doing with the coronavirus, but what have you been doing uh, during this to kind of keep yourself in shape and keep yourself ready for basketball? Yeah, it's it's definitely hard. Um, gyms with gyms closed and everything. I know that some people have been scrambling to find a court, or people have been shooting outside. Uh, luckily for me in Utah, uh, I don't think that we ever got to a level of shutdown that Ohio did. Um, I've been able to find a court um, and kind of get together with one of my former teammates, Sam Merrill. Uh, and we've been able to kind of just work out together through all of this um, kind of with no one else around. And, and that's been good from a basketball standpoint. And then from kind of a more conditioning physical standpoint, you just kind of do what you can and, if that's push-ups or a couple dumbbells are available, you kind of just – I mean, I'm not a big runner, but I've forced myself to run a little bit <laughs> to try and stay in shape and, and not put on those quarantine pounds. So, I mean, it's just you have to be adaptable and you have to kind of just go with the flow of the situation and what's available. And, and for me, that's just kind of been going day-to-day -day to see what's available and and what resources I have, and then go from there. Yeah, it's been pretty tough with this corona here in Ohio. I mean, they're not even letting people go to the parks or nothing. So it's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And, and I feel bad for all my teammates out there because we, we've obviously been taking the proper precautions. Um, but at the same time, we've been able to, to do a little more than you guys have out there, I think. Yeah, I heard about uh, in the town where I live, there was a couple of people, two or three people out playing tennis and the police actually went out. I mean, they were nice about it, but they told them that, you know, hey, you can't really be doing this right now. And so it's just kind of been hard for all of us. Uncharted territory. Without a doubt. So after your, your season ending injury in 2016 and 2017, did you ever consider not coming back to basketball? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that as a walk-on, um, and most walk-ons would agree with me, after every season, you kind of have to weigh the uh, value of basketball in your life, right? Because 
while you're pay, paying your own way, you're also putting so much time into being a student athlete and not really getting the benefits that some others are getting. And so after I broke my foot, um, I think it actually turned out to be a good thing because I, my attitude after I broke my foot was I want another chance. That wasn't a fair chance at what I could do or, or what I could be um, ending a season with a broken foot. So it was kind of like, I'm for sure going to come back next year and play basketball because I want to actually have a fair shot and be in shape and, and be able to play basketball. So um, while I think at the end of every season, you do kind of go to have those thoughts of weighing whether or not you should continue playing basketball. Um, that was kind of my attitude going into my sophomore season. Yeah, well, that's great. And you just kind of touched on this a second ago, but you know, you did come in as a walk-on. How did you push yourself and what kind of mindset did you have to eventually working your way up to being a starter? Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, like people have kind of asked me this question quite a bit and, and I always kind of tell them the same thing. And it's just that I never really changed anything. I never tried to like look at myself as a walk-on. Uh, I had the same chip on my shoulder that I did when I was in high school up until just barely when we finished the season. And that kind of meant preparing for games the same way. Uh, I would get to the gym at the same time before games when I played zero minutes as I did when I played 35 minutes. And to me, that was kind of my mantra was I just want to be prepared when my opportunity comes. And so uh, I didn't do anything different. I didn't do something special. I just kept doing the same thing. And I think consistency was the key for me and, and just continuing to push forward with what I knew I could do. And then finally uh, getting that opportunity and taking advantage of it. And I think that's something a lot of kids almost lack nowadays. They get discouraged when they're not playing or starting and then they end up not playing anymore. And like you said, consistency really can help you out in the long run. Yeah, totally. And, it, and it's just a mindset. And honestly, uh, it takes a lot of believing in yourself. And and I'd be lying if I said that uh, I just had so much confidence in myself all four years and felt great about myself. But um, it does take just a deep belief in yourself that even through the hard times and maybe through the times that there isn't any success, that it'll eventually come if you work hard enough and long enough. Yeah, definitely. So then our final question today is, what made you decide to go to Russia on a church mission for two years? And also, what did you gain from this mission? Um, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I wish I could be cool and say that I personally decided to go to Russia because <laughs> that would be an interesting reason. But uh, actually, as part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you are assigned uh, a place to live. So you fill out paperwork and uh, you say you're willing to go serve a mission. And when you say that, you are saying you're willing to go wherever in the world. And if it would have been up to me, uh, I probably would have chosen somewhere warmer. Um, but uh, probably luckily it wasn't up to me. And And yeah, the experiences there that I had were kind of shaped me a little bit into who I am today. And and that's just when you're 18 years old and you graduate high school and then within six months you're 
living in a different country, speaking a different language, uh, you have to grow up super fast and you don't really have time to be immature or to depend on anyone else anymore. And it's kind of time to depend on yourself. And, and because of that, I think I, I grew up and um, learned some adult lessons a little bit faster than I would have doing something else or even going to college right away. Um, so because of that, I think that it kind of made me a tougher kid, uh, kind of helped me persevere through weather and maybe not being treated the way I would have liked to, uh, and kind of just hardened me in a good way. And, uh, because of that, I think that my play reflects a little bit of those experiences that I had for two years. Yeah, that's that's uh, quite the experience there. Um, did, so, did you play any basketball while you were over there? No, I don't. I might have touched the basketball outside like one time, just like messing around. But I don't think I. I definitely didn't play basketball. So you definitely um, gained more mentally while you were over there. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I didn't touch really get to play basketball or do anything like that. Like didn't really get to do a ton of physical activity. Maybe play a little bit of soccer, but. Besides that, it was it was just kind of the mental gains that came from it. Yeah, definitely didn't help me physically. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a really interesting story there. That's something not a lot yeah. of people say they've done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, not not a lot. Well, Abel, uh, we really thank you for coming onto the show. It was nice having you, and we're really looking forward to seeing you on the Buckeyes next year and. Hopefully we can get that going this fall. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm excited to get out there, whatever it is, and be a part of the team and a part of the Buckeye family. Yeah, well, we we appreciate it once again, and hopefully we'll be in touch maybe later on. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Just let me know whenever. Awesome. So that was Abel Porter. Abel, thank you very much for joining. Uh, we hope to maybe see you again on the show sometime, but man, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So I think that's just about going to do it for us today for episode six. Make sure to be following us on Instagram and Twitter at Ohio podcast. Be on the lookout for uh, questions that we put out there, anything. So if you guys do want to shout out, comment, question, send us DMs, let us know what you think, what maybe you want us to talk about. And yeah, be on the lookout for new episodes, new posts every week. And yeah, make sure you're following our Instagram and Twitter. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time.